Chapter Two of The Flying Stingaree by Harold Goodwin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Berard. Chapter Two The Flying Stingaree. Someone once said that the Chesapeake Bay looks like the deck plan of an octopus, but the mental image created by the phrase tells but a fraction of the story rivers and creeks empty into the bay by the dozens and every river and most of the creeks have tributaries even some of the tributaries have tributaries the result is thousands of miles of navigable waters forming a maze of waterways that it would take most of a lifetime of weekend cruising to explore the cruising houseboat spindrift moved steadily across the mouth of one of the principal waterways of the eastern shore the choctank river it was a good three miles across the river's mouth and rick occupied the time by reading aloud to scotty who was piloting the choctank river is navigable for large ships to the city of cambridge a principal eastern shore port yachts will find the river navigable for twenty miles beyond cambridge depending on their draft while boats of shallow draft can cruise all the way into the state of delaware rick paused in his reading and looked up be fun to go up one of these rivers to the source wouldn't it maybe we can scotty replied read on the name chop tank comes from the chop tank indians who lived in the area until the middle of the nineteenth century these indians were first discovered by captain john smith when he sailed into chesapeake bay in search of a location for what later became the jamestown colony we're sailing through history scotty commented and we'd better step on it he pushed the throttles forward the houseboat accelerated to its top speed of about twelve miles an hour what's up rick demanded look to the southwest that must be one of those chesapeake bay squalls the book warns about there was a black line of clouds some distance away but rick could see that the squall line was moving fast crossing the bay in their direction he swung the chart table up and studied the situation they were close to the south shore of the choctank river now and the chart showed no easily accessible place of shelter in the vicinity they would have to run for the little choctank the next river to the south the chart showed several creeks off the little chop tank they could duck into the one nearest the river mouth can we ride it out if we have to rick asked scotty grinned we'll have to find out if we have to but i'd rather not be in open water when a squall hits this barge it's not built for storms keep your fingers crossed and hope we get to cover before it hits i hear you talking i'm going to do a little research rick ducked into the cabin and took the tide tables from the bookshelf back on deck he leafed through the official publication and found that the nearest point for tidal data was the choctank river light only a few miles away and clearly visible high and low tides at the light were about three hours and fifteen minutes earlier than baltimore the data station for the area rick checked baltimore data for the date subtracted quickly and glanced at his watch high tide in about a half hour the chart shows three feet near shore at mean low water high tide will bring it up 
to four and a half at the very least that's plenty for this barge get in shore and cut corners we won't have to stick to the channel scotty swung the wheel instantly and the houseboat took a new course leading them closer to shore better keep an eye out for logs or pilings scotty warned no rocks in the area so we don't have to worry about shoals the wooded shore slid by the trees gradually giving way to low scrub and marsh grass as they neared the mouth of the little choctaw rick alternately kept an eye out ahead and checked their position on the chart they were in about five feet of water more than enough for the shallow draught houseboat his principal worry was the outboard propellers he didn't want to break one on a log that might be sticking up under water the squall was closer now and the sky was growing dark rick estimated that they had no more than ten minutes before the storm would hit he had to look up at a sharp angle to see the storm front visibility was down to zero directly under it whitecaps in a roiling sea told him there was plenty of wind in the squall he doubted that the houseboat could head into it successfully the wind would catch the high cabin sides and force the houseboat onto the shore scotty swung around the northern tip of land that marked the mouth of the little chop tank we won't make it he said glancing at the chart rick nodded but the wind will be behind us we can drive right into the mouth of the nearest creek according to the chart there's a cove just inside the mouth where we ought to be out of the wind he put his finger on the place and suddenly a chill ran through him the nearest safe harbor was swamp creek where link harris had vanished there wasn't time to talk about it he would have to be prepared to drop the anchor quickly i'm going up on the bow he said once into the creek turn as hard as you can into the wind then cut the power i'll heave the anchor over and the wind pressure on the boat can set it but keep the motors turning over in case it doesn't hold got it scotty agreed rick stepped out of the cockpit onto the catwalk the cabin top was just chest high and he could hold on by grabbing the safety rails that ran along the sides of the large sun deck he moved swiftly along the walk to the foredeck a small semicircular deck used primarily for docking and anchoring the anchor line was coiled on a hook on the curving front of the cabin and the patent anchor was stowed on the deck itself rick took the coil and faked down the line in smooth figure eights so it would run out without fouling then made sure the anchor was free and ready to go when rick stood up and looked down the length of the cabin top at scotty he saw that the squall was almost on them the turbulent cloud front was directly overhead he saw the wind line marked by turbulent water move swiftly toward the houseboat the spindrift rocked as though shaken by a giant hand and its speed picked up appreciably the houseboat began to pitch as the chop built up around it visibility dropped suddenly it was almost dark rick winced as large hard-driven raindrops lashed into his face then he turned his back to the storm and stared ahead the creek mouth was in sight he pointed to it for scotty's benefit but when he turned to look at his pal the driving rain slashed into his eyes and made him look away scotty had seen the creek mouth 
staying as close to shore as he dared scotty drove the houseboat to within fifty yards of the narrow mouth then swung the helm hard the wind which had been astern was now abeam and its force was acting on the high side of the boat the houseboat slewed sideways and for a moment rick thought that they would be driven on to the upstream bank of the creek but scotty had judged his distance and wind pressure well the boat shot into the creek mouth with feet to spare the cove opened up ahead scotty reversed one motor and the houseboat turned almost in its own length rick watched the shore through squinting eyes and the moment he saw the boat's forward motion cease he dropped the big anchor over the wind cut the houseboat again and drove it backward into the cove while the anchor line ran out when he had enough line out for safety rick snubbed it tight around a cleat held the top line between thumb and forefinger until he was sure it had none of the vibrations caused by a dragging anchor and then hurried back along the catwalk to the cockpit he and scotty ran from the rain-swept deck down the two steps into the cabin for a moment the two stood grinning at each other and listening to the heavy drumming of the rain on the cabin top then rick spoke we'd better get out of these wet clothes so we can sit down this may last for an hour or so scotty agreed first one into dry shorts makes the coffee that's me rick said he stripped off the soaking clothes toweled quickly and put on dry shorts the rain had chilled the air so he reached into the drawer under the amidships bunks took out a sweatshirt and pulled it over his head it felt good scotty had taken time to dry off the books and binoculars he had brought from the deck before he changed his own clothes by the time he was dressed in dry shorts and sweater rick had the alcohol stove going and water heating for coffee know where we are rick asked casually sure we're scotty stopped for pete's sake i didn't make the connection at first we're in swamp creek where that man got snatched by a flying saucer right worried scotty grinned any flying saucer that can navigate in this weather is welcome to what it gets how's the anchor holding rick said i hope he looked out the galley window and watched the shore it changed position as the boat moved but that was only because the houseboat was swinging at anchor seems all right he added ten minutes later coffee was ready the boys sat at the dinette table and sipped with relish listening to the storm outside it seemed to be increasing in intensity picking up scotty said the guidebook wasn't kidding when it said sudden and severe summer storms lashed the bay wonder how long they last rick asked hard to say perhaps an hour the houseboat jerked suddenly rick jumped to his feet did you feel that the boat heeled under the lash of wind rick peeled off his sweatshirt it feels as though the anchor dragged a little i'm going out and let up more scope we can't take a chance of drifting in this wind i'll go scotty offered no i put the anchor down it's my fault if it slips stand by rick pulled the cabin door open and winced at the blast of raindrops like heavy buckshot on his face and body for a moment he hesitated 
then realized the sooner he got it over with the better he hurried to the catwalk and swung down it meanwhile estimating his distances he could let out another fifty feet of anchor line without getting the boat too near shore the more anchor line out the better the anchor could hold he made the forward deck and looked around realizing that the wind direction had changed and that the blast was now coming from the creek swinging the houseboat around that probably was why the anchor had shifted he knelt and took the line in his fingers it no longer seemed to be slipping but it was better not to take a chance he unloosened the half hitches that held it to the cleat threw off all but one figure eight turn and let the anchor line run out slowly when he estimated about fifty feet had run through he put on more figure eights around the cleat then dropped half hitches over to secure the line once more he reached out and held the top line it didn't seem to be slipping he pulled on it hard and felt the boat move the anchor was in solidly this time rick turned and started back to the catwalk rain lashing his back sudden instinct made him whirl around in time to see something huge and black rushing at him out of the storm rain blurred his vision he had a swift impression of a black figure shaped like a diamond coming at him he threw himself flat on the foredeck there was a rustling sound overhead and something clanged off the cabin top's aluminum rail rick was on his feet again heart pounding he looked around there was nothing but rain and wind he stood upright and looked across the cabin top for an instant he glimpsed a black object above the canopy over the rear cockpit then that too was lost in the rain shaken rick made his way back to the cabin entered closed the door and leaned against it scotty looked up and was on his feet in an instant rick what happened you're white as a sheet he exclaimed saw one rick managed he was still shaking it went right over the boat i think it hit the upper rail we'll check later but it wasn't a flying saucer i'm sure of that what was it scotty demanded a flying stinkery end of chapter two